Warning, the following episode of Orsini's Uncensored Mind contains explicit language and adult content. The thoughts and opinions stated on the show are reflective of A.J. Orsini and his guests exclusively. But seriously, guys, the show's called Uncensored. If you got a problem with bad language, I really don't give a shit. Guys, tonight, literally, it's Halloween. We're about to do some fun shit. Welcome to Orsini's Uncensored Mind, and now your host, AJ Orsini. Oh, the hell all of you do, Tease your boys. Good main men. Your jive soul brother from exactly the approximately same mother. It is your host, Sob Orsini's Uncensored Mind. I am AJ Orsini, and I'm here once again with Brother Dave. Brother Dave is joining in on the festivities. Uh, joining in here, for those of you who don't have a full idea of the headband did not give it away, I'd like to go full bore here. I have got the black belt on. Show I'm the doing, meats. I'm doing, I'm doing the high kicks. Everything, Ooh. baby. You saw the circumference of that kick, boy. I tell you, <laughs> the diameter of the situation. Better watch your head, boys. That's right. But I, we are bequeathing onto all of you episode 162. One, no, 163. Excuse me, 163. I'm still stuck in last week. I literally just pulled off the highway right now. Just got off the belt, but a few minutes ago. But I'm here straight from the Manny Handy traffic, and I'm back in the chair here to speak about Halloween-type shit. I called you a few seconds ago. You were hyped about Halloween Havoc. Are you talking about the current one that just played on Wednesday or previous ones that we were going to be talking about here today? Previous ones. There was so much wrestling that was watched. I didn't have time to go back for that. But I did watch <laughs> the actual one. And, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, we we will get to that exactly that. Uh, I wasn't too enthralled. But, again, yeah, we'll get to it. So we're here for episode 163. We're going to be talking about a myriad of different topics here. But all of which will fall under the umbrella of Halloween. Now, I, I gave myself away. Now, when I originally got this, you see here is the official box here for the Cobra oh, Kai oh, oh. brand. Daniels. It just put Daniel. They should have put Son here. That makes more sense to people. But it, at the official word here is Daniel Son. That's what I'm supposed to be. But the as soon as I put this outfit on, all I can think about was the uh, the Japanese bartender from Kill Bill. The one that, oh, Womasaki, yeah, that guy. That's the first <laughs> thing that popped into mind when I put this on, and I was like, oh, no, I think I look too much like a human stereotype at this point. Uh, mm. What is that you have braced upon thine brain? This is a League of Legends character. I got oh. this a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming, it's 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 coming of use today. Oh, so. There you go. You're getting your mileage out of it today. Yeah, get my money's worth. Get your money's worth. Now, our costumes tonight uh, do not ring into the scary or thrilling type of area. This is more of a cosplay, have more fun type of deal, but. That brings us to what we're going to be discussing about here. First on the show, talk a little Halloween discussion right off the bat here because that's the, one of the biggest questions we have here that we're going to start off with is the fact that 
is Halloween supposed to be scary? We've got princesses, we've got Super Mario characters, we've got all we've got Halo characters walking around. We've got all it becomes dress up on Halloween, but is is that getting away from the spirit, no pun intended, of Halloween? Should should we be scary and terrifying the whole way through? Yes. 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 <laughs> so I should have did like a Daniel Sun zombie. Maybe. Or Ooh. like a vampire. <laughs> like a vampire just, who studies Miyagi-Do. Go Miyagi get some Dough. ketchup and smear it. Ketchup. There face. it is. Some cats up. And just some put cats up and put it That's right here. Maybe I should have been like, uh, maybe I should have put like some stitches and been a voodoo Daniel doll or something like that. Yo, I almost, I almost had her put some makeup on me, but I was like, nah, chill, it's not that serious. <laughs> almost. <laughs> I was on the call, I was like, yo, stitch me up. But I was like, nah, I'm good. Only I can come from an actual meeting from somewhere in Manhattan, into the car, into the belt, directly into the house and yell the phrase, where's my Daniel son costume? Right, light go, flex. I had to put it in. I had to put it in on uh, immediately. Weird flex, but a light one. A little <laughs> bit there. Uh, Halloween. We want to talk about uh, different types of topics when it comes to Halloween. We've already established that it probably should lean more into the scary mode. I, I like having fun, but my goodness, uh, this is uh, a time to be creative. Uh, mm. Do you have? Because you're. We grew up together. I don't have many Halloween memories. To really speak of, except for getting candy from the people who actually did the trick or treating. Yeah, I would. We don't go out. I go to my friend's house the day after and just load up. Just load up on everybody else's shit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just eat their that candy. part. That part I do remember. I do remember eating off of other people's hard and genuine work. I don't That's recall it. for a split second ever trick or treating myself. I do remember having a costume or two somewhere down the line. I. I don't think it was in our mom's house. I think mm-hmm. it was maybe the other guy's house. Maybe. It was your house. I don't recall. Well, yeah, as an adult? Yes. As an adult, yes. No, no, no. I'm You're t- done. I, oh, no, okay. I got you. I got you. I got you. I'm not counting the uh, after Mrs. O era when all of a sudden it became a thing. But I'm I got refer- you. I'm referring to uh, back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have too many uh, Facebook. Uh, Facebook. I got a ton of Facebook memories. I don't have any <laughs> Halloween memories from back in the day, but I do recall uh, dealing with a lot of movies. Mm. Now, we got to get into this because every time you think Halloween, you think the classics, as those are the ones that marathon every Halloween. You got your okay. Friday the Thirteenth. You yep. got your Halloween. You yep. got your uh, 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 Nightmare on Elm Streets. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, all these classic old school films. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seeped a little bit, like the Saw franchise. Like it's a little bit more modern. Are there any? Are you first of all? Are you a horror or are you a thriller guy at all when it comes to that? <laughs> no. And when you told me when we were going to talk about this, I'm like, oh man, I have nothing. And then. As I started looking at some of the stuff, I'm like, wait, is that a scary, is that a Halloween movie? Is that a scary, like some of them kind of like blurred into each other. So I was like, oh, okay. Like I've seen that. I've seen that. So I was actually quite surprised how many scary things I've actually watched. I'm not really Like all the way through? Yeah, like all the way through. Yeah, I've actually, I've actually just got reminded that I saw two scary movies recently, uh, not too long ago. Oh, which ones were those? Yeah, they were, um... It was the Devil's Pass, which is apparently like based off a true story. How did you not know right off the bat, right there, that that wasn't a scary film? That it wasn't a scary film. That it was. 
No, no, I knew it was. A, I didn't oh. think about when you said scary movies or Halloween movies. I'm like, I I haven't watched any, and then I got yeah. reminded real quick. Yeah, you did. We saw this. I'm like, oh yeah, that yeah. is a scary movie. You fool. <laughs> You have seen one. So yeah, I saw Devil's Pass, and I also saw um, what is it? Uh, As above, so below. That one was actually I've never heard of that. What is that? That one was actually scary. It's about a girl whose father died looking for a philosopher's stone, so she continued his work to make it look like he wasn't crazy, and she coerced all these people to go with them against their like own will, like. The very beginning, the first guy she talked to was like, yo, get away from me. Because every time you come around, bad stuff happens, dude. Every time. So she ended up coercing all these people to get her to where she needed to go. And then they go into this labyrinth and all kinds of trippy stuff happens. It's actually a really good movie. But when you said it, that didn't even pop into my head. So that's that's how bad I am with scary movies. that I, I watch them and then I just completely forget about them. I, I really, I'm not too into it. I don't really get into them. Uh, I watch them if I have to. Basically, if the room is watching it, I guess I'm watching it. Type right. deal. I uh, there is one though that uh, I have to comment on because every time the the conversation about movies came up when recently I saw uh, a buddy of mine share something. He's a big Halloween scary movie buff guy, whatever. So he did some Facebook deal where he was like, "Well, give me your top five movies. You know, what are your top five? You know, horror flick, whatever." Blah, blah, blah. For some oddball reason, I guess maybe it's the older generation or whatever it may be, Chucky always manages to find itself in somebody's top five. Am I the old, I've never in my life ever found Chucky scary at all whatsoever. It's dull. It's dull. He's this big. He's this big. And I've seen, I've seen people. How old were you when you watched it? Kid, kid. Like, young. Those movies came out in the 80s. Yeah, but however young you were when you saw i was even younger so i remember yeah. it being terrifying <laughs> i remember that actually being terrifying but you got I me thinking know. now i'm gonna look it up and see exactly what year that i don't know i'm talking about that first one too is that child's play child's play let's get the so. exact year on that one uh yeah, yeah 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 i'm agreeing with google yes go with that recommended yes november 9th 1988 so you weren't even one yet when this fucking thing came out so you saw it after the fact. Yeah, well, yeah. By then I was about six, five, something like that. Mm. Something in that range. I don't know. A five-year-old, I think, should be afraid of it. I wasn't afraid of it. Chucky made me laugh. James said Chucky made me laugh. And yes, James, that was the one where they pretty much had to keep going down to come back up, which is trippy as hell. I, but. They took me, like, if we're going to talk about into, into wrestling terms, Chucky broke kayfabe with me when the mom started busting his ass. Because in scary movies... When they're chasing after the main character, they usually tend to just burn through all these other people until eventually that confrontation at the end. Mom was giving him the business. Right. She was in there. She, at one point, she fucking chucked him. She throws him <laughs> across the fucking room. And then he comes over the bed. Ha, ha, ha. Like, that's supposed to be scary. Like, that, to me, was the equivalent of I'm arguing with someone, and I punch him in the face. And he's on the floor. <laughs> like, I, I literally just knocked you out, dude. I'm not afraid of you, like, at all. Square up, son. Yeah, like if you if you gully guy, get up and do it again. I'm just going. <laughs> I love I love just the way he always gets his ass handed to him. Even the most I don't know if you saw the most recent one. I didn't, but I got someone sent me the last clip one time because they thought it was hilarious. Can you imagine that? The ending of what was supposed to be a scary movie was hilarious to him. Is the the boy from the original film? I forgot which movie it is. And if James is really into it, uh, maybe he'd be able to tell me exactly which one it was. There's a scene in one of the recent child play films 
where uh, the little boy from the very, very first one, the one who survived, is now obviously a full-grown adult. Mm. And there's an end clip of the full-grown version of this kid from the original sitting at his home chilling, and a box gets delivered. And out of the box comes Chucky, and he's like, ha, 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 like one of those aha moments. And when he turns to look at the kid, or the grown man now, when he turns to look at him, the fucking dude had like a shotgun to his face. He was like, ha, 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 boom, and blew his fucking face <laughs> up. He's a bitch. That's my point. All these years later, he's a bitch. And he's the only one, he's the only one, like, like when Freddy, if, if you were ever fucking up Freddy, which was rare, but if you were ever fucking up Freddy, like, while you fucking him up, he's talking shit. Oh, you stupid bitch. Oh, he's like, he's cursing you out. You know, uh, Michael Myers, you can chop him up. He won't say a, he won't say shit to you. He's gangster. He don't feel pain. Fuck you. Same thing with Jason. Jason used to chop off limbs, and he would just look at the limb. I don't need that shit no way. Come here. It was just slowing me down. You just picked up my, my speed level now. Now I'm faster, lighter on my feet. Chucky yeah. would cry. And bitch, oh, like, you were really busting his ass. Like, okay, I get it. He's hard to kill. But, I mean, he was eating 20 pieces for lunch every day. Everybody was fucking him up. <laughs> Everybody was fucking him up. Look, James, Chucky would have got locked in a closet somewhere. Where? Where? I would have gave Chucky a wedgie. Fuck him. <laughs> just to see if it would have been effective. Just to see if it would have been effective. It was like, fuck it. I would have been plucking the fuck out of here. Beat these Cabbage Patch dolls first. And then you yeah, come all, come fight the boss. All those movies I, I remember seeing when I was super young. So I was just terrified to look at them. You were born Freddy, like just after the stuff. golden era of all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so when I saw those as a young, I never went back to them. I was just freaking terrified of those things. So, yeah, they're, they're all, you made a good point. They're on my side here. Be... Chucky is trash. Yeah, there we go in the chat here. <laughs> Chucky is indeed trash. So you make a good point though. There are a lot of Halloween movies though that aren't meant to be scary, like uh, a classic Casper. Uh, Casper. Casper the, okay, the I was going to take you another path. Of all the scary movies, the most two talked about films are not scary. Uh-huh. Halloween Town. <laughs> oh, you mean Nightmare Before Christmas? No, no. Halloween Town. Oh, okay, okay. And Hocus Pocus. Those Isn't two, that like the Disney movies? Those are the Disney, and they're one of the most cult classic fucking Halloween films of all time, and I don't understand how that happened. That's true. And I was around when they... I, you were I, definitely like, around for when those. came out. Like, yeah, yeah, those I were early 90s films, so you saw those when it happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Look at the Danielson. See, they complimented the gee. I'm like, listen, my wife has the Cobra Kai. We're going to take some photos sometime this weekend and share it out for the world. Uh, she's got the Cobra Kai outfit. She, she, uh, but I told her, you know, if we're going to do a couples deal, okay, then I have to be the heel. And there's no bigger heel on Netflix right now. There's no bigger bad guy on Netflix than Daniel LaRusso. Yeah, if you're watching, Barney Stinson had it right all he had, along. And he was, he was right <laughs> all a goddamn all long. Along. All along. Everyone laughed at it, but it was all true. James in the chat, Jason X was hilarious. Jason X was hilarious. That's the one Jason film I think Isn't I've watched. Isn't that the one where he went to like the space, the space or yes. some shit like that? Yes. Oh, not just space, because I can tell right now you didn't see it. Oh, no, the plot gets better. Because not only did he get uh, launched into space, but when he got released from his little prison that he was in, he managed to find himself chucked into a machine accidentally. Mm -hmm. Circumstantially, no, no, no. The machine uh, took away a lot of his physical human parts. It replaced him with metal, and 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 he became like, like Terminator. Yeah, shit. he came. He became like a Jason, like machine. So they <laughs> took something that was already unbeatable, 
because we're on at this point it was literally 10 right so that's 10 jason films and took something that was completely unbiddable and then like filled him with titanium vibranium alloy and just made him the most destructive force in the history of humanity uh, didn't chucky have like an equally funny one around the same time like chucky's bride or some shit where yeah the well, dolls were fucking. well yeah they had a <laughs> that was the best they can come up with with chucky you know Freddy became his uber dream artist. Jason became a, a super soldier for real. Michael Myers has just been Michael Myers for forever. He's the Randy Orton of uh, Halloween movies. He just he likes to bat a thousand. He's he's not gonna wow you with his murder, but he's consistent as fuck, boy. He will terrorize you. And that opening theme, the Halloween classic, classic shit. Uh, that was gonna be the opening of this show. I didn't have time to edit it, so thank. So you can thank. Uh, these idiots that held me up in Manhattan about that. But, <laughs> but yeah, there's always all these different directions that people tend to take Halloween movies. It could be scary. It could be family-friendly. It's all over the map. You guys can have fun. You see, I, I went with the karate gi. The more I see myself in this camera, the more I regret this costume immensely because I really look like uh, a waiter or a chef at the local dumpling spot by my crib over here. The, 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 this is, I think this is the decor of the hand napkins that they have in the fucking restaurant. Got sushi for I get that it's the actual <laughs> Danielson thing, but I'm starting to re- I'm starting to not realize how bastardized we've done this gimmick over the last twenty something years, thirty years. Because I'm like, yeah, I think a lot of restaurants in New York have this design on their shit. Like, come eat our dumplings. This is where Miyagi would eat. And, uh, so I I, oh I definitely God. put this on uh, for the spirit of things. So. Uh, there was a pay-per-view that took place that we reviewed last week on the show, mm-hmm. and uh, I have to bring it up. We don't have to go down the line of everything that took place, but I've got to eat crow. Mm. Uh, it's it's time to eat my. You want to jump right into that? Yeah, I got to eat my slice of humble pie. You were you you were you were getting it, man. Yeah, I, I was know coming after. Was it. laying into you, dude, and <laughs> he was talking all kinds of shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the match that I was looking forward to the most ended up being one of my favorite matches. I was looking forward to that Randy Orton Drew McIntyre match. I love. I liked it a lot. The WWE Championship match. Uh, inside the Hell in a Cell. I would have loved it a lot, a lot more had it been the only Hell in a Cell match on the show. Having three completely different Hell in a Cell matches, they've done this before. I don't like it, and, and I didn't like it here, but I like this match. I especially liked the finish because I saw... I didn't know they were going to do it here. I knew there was some way they were going to get Drew McIntyre away from the title before Survivor Series because they don't want to blow their load on McIntyre and Roman Reigns just yet. That's that's a money match. They're going to they're gonna try to stall for that. Yeah, that's that's a money match. If anything, that could be our WrestleMania main event that they're building towards. So I knew. I just didn't think they'd pull the trigger at the pay-per-view and actually put the belt on Randy for a 14th time, baby. 14th time. Tying, uh, who was it they said? Triple H. Man, Evolution has all the goddamn belts. Oh, man. What was that Jose said? I was about to say, Barney Stinson is hella happy right now with LaRusso getting exposed. That's right, Jose Roman. You are absolutely right. That's why I'm wearing this traitorous garb, because I want the <laughs> world to know that this piece of shit. Uh, we actually have a photo plan. We're going to do some photos sometime this weekend. I have a box that's labeled Conclusions. And I'm going to get a picture of me jumping toward the box because nobody jumps to conclusions faster than Daniel LaRusso. He doesn't take the time to ask the questions and get the feedback. 
no, 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 no. He's just going to assume that what he sees in that exact moment is exactly what's happening, and there's no other way you can talk him out of it, and he'll be goddamned if he's going to stand by and let you fucking do whatever it was you were doing that he didn't care about until about five minutes ago. But I care now, so that's what's most important. Enjoy Cobra Kai, guys. It's a good show. You guys check it out. It's on Netflix. Season I really three. do need to watch it. Uh, you haven't watched it yet? I have not seen it yet, Ooh. no. I just, gave, it yet. I just gave you a spoiler. Watch this dude jump. <laughs> now you're, now you're going to be looking for it. Watch. <laughs> From season one now, watch how fast. As soon as something happens, <gasps> you son of a bitch. Like, no, Daniel, you don't understand. Ask, <laughs> ask him the questions, though. I've never seen a man try so hard to be good and get kicked in the balls by the good guy so often. Mm. It's like, yeah, damn. He's not, he's not mean, Daniel. Give the man a chance. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, so uh, we're we're uh, let's get back to the pay per view here. What did you think of the Randy Orton Drew McIntyre matchup? Oh man, I I actually like that. I want to comment on what you said before about the match about like there being three Hell in a Cell matches in, in yeah. one night. Again, like I said before on the other episode, that I'm not really a big fan of these like gimmicky matches. But for whatever reason, I thought they did it pretty good. I felt like each one was a little bit different as much as it can be for Hell in a Cell. Yeah. Um, no, I think Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre was a, was a good match. I enjoyed I enjoyed it. it they stole they told a good story. I was already hyped off the promos. Yeah. So they delivered though in I the ring. So that really was good. like Drew McIntyre a lot, and I'm hearing he a lot as awesome. I'm catching up and listening to other things that uh, a lot of people are actually pretty sad about his run because of the whole COVID thing, and he's like missing out on like, the energy, and that's why like what you said, they feel like they're gonna. They're going to try to stall it a little bit the best they can because they're slowly starting to get people in. So, Alex Polgren put yawn emojis. He was <laughs> he was not impressed not by the impressed WWE. I heard that a lot, though, that there wasn't a whole lot of movement. There was storytelling, but it wasn't a whole lot of pacing, which was the same thing that I heard about last month's uh, Roman Reigns and Jey Uso match. I thought to myself, they're inside a hell in a cell. I quit. <laughs> I said on the show, I don't like uh, the hat on the hat. The I quit, I feel, takes away from the cell, and it did. I don't think anybody – I don't think anybody – That whole that match, match was uh, – It was so over the top. I was like, how – But you know, you know how I feel about the Usos, though. So watching right, yeah. that was tough. And <laughs> what did impress me was Roman. He does seem a little different. Yeah. He, as bad as that was, he was still able to get a reaction. Like, it was kind of boring all the way up until that very end part where the other brother comes in, he shows emotion, and that was actually really cool. I would have loved that. that had it not that already happened a few weeks ago. That see, was the well, same. I didn't see That's it. what I'm so saying. I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> it was great when I saw it too. Three weeks ago, yeah. they did it exactly the same, and the only this time, instead of Jay being unconscious, he was wide awake to see his brother get choked out. He he didn't really put his hands on Jimmy last time. He put his hands on Jimmy this time, and that's what caused Jay. I was this close. Because as I was watching that match, and it was the opener of the pay-per-view, mm. I'm sitting here with Steph, and I was like, they were referencing Jay's family a lot in the promos leading up to it. You know, if I win, then you're out of the family and your wife and your children and da-da-da. And he was like, he was going down the line. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool that at one point, like, Jay's on top, he's about to beat him, he's about to do all this, he's about to win the Universal Championship, and Paul comes through the curtain. With the wife, or with one of the kids, or whatever it is, and they're like, "Hey, hey, hey, you, you know, stop what you're doing!" Or da, 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 da. and then that's when Roman takes over, and they kind of use the family against them, 
and they get him, you know, either you quit or we do this. And da, da, da. Okay, okay, I quit, I quit. That was a way that I thought they would get out. They did that, but they didn't use a family member like a wife or a child. They used the brother. I didn't see that one coming because, again, we had, I had just seen Jimmy do this shit three weeks ago. So I said, right. surely they won't do this again, but they did. They, they, they just spun it different. He was like, all right, well, we're going to choke him out. We're going <laughs> to beat his ass. And he's going to, all right, man, I quit, yo. I quit. I quit, yo. That's how but he said it with that ghetto. All right, man, you're the big dog. You're the chief. I hate the way they talk, man. It just, I hate it. it. It takes me out of wrestling. It breaks my whole, like, I, that, it just, that I That hood it. lingo. <laughs> I can't stand it. Not there. <laughs> not, not on the big stage. <laughs> like, nah, it was a waste on. of a match. You showed your true colors, Oos. I was so like, let's uh, let's wait. talk about uh, let's talk about where you got to put your foot uh, in your mouth. Yeah. All right. We'll get let's into get it. Let's get the foot in there already. So so last week, uh, for those of you for those of you who did not see last week's episode, uh, I told my brother I said Sasha Banks versus Bailey. Uh, I, I look forward, I was looking forward to how devastatingly horrible this match was going to be. Uh, I actually used the phrase that Sasha's been in two, and they were garbage. And I said, boy, I hope she's hitting the gym. I hope she's getting active. I hope she's really keeping her reps up. I hope she's working hard on trying to figure out a way to fuck this match up. Because she's in there with Bailey. And in my opinion, of all four horsemen, Bailey's the best worker. So I was like, there's no way physically that she's going to be able to have a ship match with Bailey. So she better practice because I know her intention is to fuck these matches up as bad as she can. <laughs> well, it appears she slacked off in the gym because she couldn't get one past Bailey. They figured this shit out. And I remember uh, what, during Reigns and Jey Uso, my wife goes, uh, Mrs. O goes, well, why doesn't he just use this or why doesn't he just use that? Well, you got to leave the toys for the girls. I said that. I said, you got to leave the toys for the... What else can the girls do inside of a cell besides beat the shit out of each other with objects? Which is exactly what happened. All the toys Now, got... if one of them came off the top... Yeah, that would have been, been high. See, but that's where I've lost Sasha a couple of times because of those table spots. She never breaks a table. Everything, everything seems to crumble the closer to the finish that she gets. This time right. around... Everything seemed to be pretty smooth. I actually enjoyed this match. What did you think about this it match? It was a good match. It was it was good. They were they went around the ring. They they had a couple goofy moments like they were trying to be creative. Uh, Bailey was trying to be creative with like the, the kendo sticks and it wasn't really working yeah. and it got awkward. But no, it was, was a good match. They went around up. the ring. They they told a story. It, I was I was into the whole thing. I was interested. It was good. I was waiting for Sasha. I didn't know. I don't know Sasha. I didn't watch Sasha's run at all. So I was looking for the mess ups that you were talking about were coming. And yeah. The only real, the only real bad spots, like you said, was when they started setting up props and all that other stuff, and then it just kind of yeah. got weird. Uh, James says in the chat, I'm only, my only problem with Roman versus Jay Hell in a Cell is that it didn't take pl- It didn't need to take place inside the cell. They hardly did anything that involved the cage, which is why I didn't like the I Quit. Because with the the psychology of an I quit and the psychology of a Hell in a Cell are almost two completely different psychologies. But why do you think they made that call? They because made that they call. need to come down. They made that call because they're running out of, in my opinion, they're running out of ways on how to make these Hell in a Cell matches unique. This is the problem with having three in the same yeah, show. That's not it, dude. <laughs> Anyone can that's, tell you that's not it. That's, anybody should have, somebody should have told them <laughs> that that's not it. That's why we were using the phrase hat and hat. You can have a good match with the I Quit. You can have a good match with the Cell. 
you couldn't you remember do you remember because i think you were with me that i don't know if you remember this is a long time ago you were we were in the same house when this happened do you remember the kennel from hell Kennel from hell? Yes, the Kennel from Hell. Al Snow versus the big boss man for the hardcore title. They took the old school cage, the blue bars. The, yeah, the one that's actually around the ring. Right, actually around the right. ring, right? They put that around the ring, and then they put the Hell in a Cell on top of that. And then they had, in between the cage, on the floor, in between the cage and the cell, were dogs. They were loose. Uh, not we loose. They were, I they, thought I remembered that. I don't remember, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were dogs. dogs. Here, yeah, on paper, this sounded dope, okay? But this is why I tell people hat in the hat, no good. Because they had, like, animal trainers with dogs. And the idea was is the dogs were going to be in between the cage and the cell, which gives the wrestlers apprehension. They're wrestling each other, and even if they get out of the cage, they still have to somehow get out of the cell. Now, the, in this particular match, the cell's not locked. All you got to do is get out the door, if you can, because there's a bunch of wild dogs down there, okay? So on paper, this goes, wow. This is a money match. Here's the problem. The blue bar cage is the worst cage in the history of professional wrestling. No give. No nothing. It's solid metal. You're not going to get a great sound. So you're basically butchering yourself to the sound of nothing. Right? Right. If you sur- so, it's already, so it's bad wrestling off the top. Right. So now the object is to get over that cage or out through the door onto the floor, or if you've got the balls, you can jump from cell to from cage to cell, whatever your strategy is, and your goal is to get past the dog. So you're already having a shit match, then you get over this cumbersome-ass cage, only to come down and realize you're supposed to be selling wild and vicious dogs. Unfortunately, the dogs they picked were either well-fed or just camera shy, and all they did was walk around and sniff and literally piss and shit all over their mats. They didn't do anything else. They were walking around. They were just chilling. Something it to the point where, <laughs> to the point where, like Boss Man and Snow were at one point kicking at the dogs to try to get them riled up. Right. Like they were trying to give the impression, like, "Oh, he's gonna bite me! He's gonna bite me!" But what they were really doing was nudging and pushing and literally kicking at the dog. Come on, get get on, get in this! And the dogs was like, "Come, come on, man, with that bullshit!" And just started walking around. This is a trash idea. Bomb. I want no parts Bomb. of this. Bomb. <laughs> Bomb. Hat on the hat. No good. Have a cage match or have a cell match. You didn't need all this shit. TNA got hit with it. I got another example for you. The electrified cage. Wonderful. Wonderful idea on paper. It was used in Japan quite a few times. When you execute it correctly, it actually looks pretty cool. If you do it right. Okay? But the point of an electrified cage in storyline mode is that the cage is not enough. Normally, in a cage match, the goal is to use the cage as much as possible. It's like a tag partner, and so to speak. So you, you're rubbing their face in the cage, and you get your flesh against the mesh of steel, and blah, 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 blah. That's the point of a cage. Now, the up-the-ante moment comes when they electrify it, meaning they have the cables hooked up to the side or whatever, and every time you grab onto the cage, it shocks the shit out of you. Now... There's only two ways to do it, for real, at a low voltage, which was the way that it was originally done in Japan, and then when they caused so many health issues, it had to stop. I would imagine. They started gimmicking it. So here's how you gimmick it. You plan the touches. So it's like just like you do a spot, this, this, boom, 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 cage. So when he hits the cage, the guy who has, has a finger on the button will know Okay, here comes the spot, but hits the cage, boom. And when he hits the button, 
the lights will go and something on the cage will indicate some sort of spark or whatever and the wrestler will sell it. Right. Sounds stupid on paper, but when done right, like mm-hmm. I said, like it did in Japan, it worked. TNA tried it. They put the Dudley Boys, Team 3D, into the ring with Homicide and Hernandez, LAX, and they attempted the electrified cage. Guess what happened? Didn't work out so well. <laughs> they did. They tried the gimmick way. We'll plan the spots, and well, every time we hit the cage, you hit the button. Right. Okay? Well, I don't know if the guy that they held in charge of the button was either high, drunk, or asleep. But everything was off about the timing of the cage and his button. So here's poor Homicide getting thrown into the cell. He grabs the cage. Nothing happens. And he goes, oh, and nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden, when he decides, okay, I've looked like a fool enough, I'll stop. The lights flicker. He goes, it's like, oh, fuck me. That's terrible. The match was so bad. Like, the competitors after the match went to the back and were like, never again. Don't ever. Do. Hat on a hat. People trying to reinvent the wheel. It's circular for a goddamn reason. So okay? here's a question. Does actual hardcore wrestling fans even care about these gimmicks? These gimmicky matches? They're like not that? out for the hardcore wrestling fan. I mean, That's I the issue. It's I, I've said it on the show a bunch of times. Even the, it's the I, I'm a casual fan. I don't care for it. I could do without. But see, them. that's the thing. I I uh I said it on the show like somewhere in the beginning here, and I, I've used it a few times. It's the NFL mentality. The NFL went public with this. They say this all the time. The guy who wears the jerseys and has the logo, the the football team car seats and the shoes and the shirts and the jerseys, and he goes to the bar religiously every Sunday for the games. We don't cater the NFL to him because we have his money. We need the money from the people who aren't watching. So that's what we gear the product toward. WWE does the same exact thing. If you're gonna, if you're gonna watch whatever bullshit I put on Raw, regardless of what I put on it, then I don't have to cater to you. I have you. Right. So I start doing all these random ass things. You are you're a casual. You saw the cell matches. You weren't that impressed. So when the numbers don't hit, they scrap. They go back to it and they throw some other bullshit out until they find something that will eventually hit you. Once that right. happens. Buckle up, because that's going to be your programming for the next six months. They right. just run it into the fucking ground at that point. Right. And Gordo says it has its place, but I, from what I can remember back when like the when we were in the same house and we'd watch wrestling all the time, those gimmicks made sense because they usually had something to do with like someone's gimmick, like buried alive or you're a badass or you do the the tie again around each other and like hit each other with belts Uh-oh, or strap submission match. matches because yeah. one guy is all submission the casket match one guy is a badass like they made it made sense now mm. recently i can't remember where it's just like oh this match makes sense because it has something to do with somebody's gimmick or what they do H- has that happened recently where you're like okay this match makes sense when's the last time that made sense uh, one of these matches actually like made sense gimmick or storyline-wise. Well, not just a random event that they just threw in. They haven't made any new ones. So they're trying to shoehorn old gimmicks or old gimmick matches in with the new talent, right? So uh, Hell in a Cell was originally created because Taker wanted to punish Shawn Michaels so goddamn bad that he refused to do a cage match where it would have a top on it. 
because he didn't want Shawn to escape. That was the whole gimmick leading up to Hell in a Cell. Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker had never competed against each other ever in the history of their careers, and all of a sudden here they are finally on a collision course, and Shawn wants no part of it. So every time he would hit and run, swing a chair, bounce, swing a chair, bounce. They had Taker bleeding on Raw every fucking week. They had the match at ground zero, ends in a no contest. Why? Sean's getting the fuck out of Dodge. Every right. single time they competed against each other, Sean ran away. So, they're headed to St. Louis, Missouri for a pay-per-view. And one of the most infamous matches uh, that come from the South is the War Games. And a lot of the classic Mid-South uh, cage matches had tops. They were just cages, mm-hmm. but they had tops. So, they took that old school idea. We're going to expand it out because it's kind of dangerous when you think about it. The way they had it originally is the way the cage that you know where it's on the ring. There's no outside of the ring. It's rope and it's cage like that, but that had a top. So they were like, well, you know, Sean's a high flyer. We can't do much in that environment. But if we stretch it out and we made it farther so that we have access to the floor and under the ring, and that way we can go from the top rope to something. It gives us more options to do. That's something that they could uh, work with. And that's how Hell in a Style was created originally. After that, after the Shawn Michaels deal, and he put him through all kinds of hell, he put Mankind through hell, the king of the ring. And the theme of Hell in a Cell and, well, this is supposed to be a blow-off, this is supposed to be the end game here, that was established very early on. Now, to your point, they'll throw anybody in there. Uh, Sasha and Bailey didn't have a program until six weeks ago. And they had one match that ended how it ended, and then they wound up in the cell. And all of a sudden, that's supposed to be the end of the feud. And I'm like, God, I, the feud didn't get started. And the crazy thing is is that they know it's not like it's a pay-per-view and then there's a cage match. <laughs> like, the pay-per-view yeah. is the, named after the cage match. So you would imagine going up to it, they would develop story that would make the cell make sense. To me, if you're going to have a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view Either one big match has it, or they all have it, and it should all make sense. <laughs> it's either you or everybody. Or everybody. <laughs> or everybody should fucking do it. Jesus, jump in. Ju- yeah, they, they, they fit in anybody that they need to fit in at that time, and they're not worried about anything else. That's why I, I'm, I, I feel so worried for the day that The Undertaker either passes away or... It's official, official that he can't come back. Because then here comes the casket matches for the women, and here comes all kinds of all kinds of different gimmick matches for everybody else. I Dang thought they were, I thought they were on their way to giving Hell in a Cell to the Fiend after his match with Seth Rollins, and then the way that, that ended, they they're probably gonna keep his ass as, as far away from that cell as humanly possible. But yeah, Is they the just Fiend all gimmick. Just, well. Hmm. He's got the two sides. It's the from what I heard. Bray Wyatt character. From what I heard team. on SmackDown, he was predominantly all gimmick, and now so far he hasn't. He just seems like he's like he's not gonna have a lot of matches. It's all those little videos and stuff like that that he does, and the lights flickering, and then he's behind somebody, and then they run away from him, or he hits him with his finisher and walks away. No, he's not all gimmick. He has a Bray Wyatt side where he's just a normal person who talks a lot of shit, and he does uh, he does all these uh, uh, segments. I showed you the Firefly Funhouse. No, stuff. that's what I mean. Like, is yeah. he all that? Maybe I'm saying it wrong. Is he all segments, or is he no, actually he wrestles, very he active in the ring? Well, see, with a character like that, you can't have him physical all the time. Not not with him. 
And I've said that before, and people were like, well, when Taker was developed, he fought all the time. That worked time. to his favor? Because you were saying he's not, like, the greatest. He's not, But that's my point. Mm-hmm. That's my argument. Like, when people say, well, Taker's a gimmick, and he was wrestling every week, every night, superstar. Bray's not an Undertaker. He can't do it like that. For every time he gets in the ring with somebody he doesn't click with, that's exposing the character. He just went through three or four <laughs> months of Braun so Strowman, cool. for Christ's sake. Yeah. Uh, I gotta go back because a lot of people have been talking. So let me go back yeah. here. Uh, the FMW chant in the chat here. FMW, uh, the uh, ECW of Japanese of Japan wrestling over there. That's where the C4 explosive match came. I that threw in the towel at that point. That was the death of hardcore wrestling for me. I, then I saw uh, Terry Funk and Cactus Jack do it, and I was like, all right, fuck that. I think that's the one you showed me. And I'm like, that was the uh, one. That can't... was the promotion where they had. What was it? Terry had the uh, the branding iron. He he mm. branded him on fucking TV. <laughs> it's like there's not enough money. I don't love wrestling that much. Sidebar: I'm about to go on a really heavy Mick Foley journey, man. Because I watched. <laughs> Gotta I was watch watching that Untold. Stuff. Yeah. I was watching that Untold, and that just reminded me of how amazing Mick Which, Foley was. Uh, Untold was that? Is that uh, Mick Foley Under, and? Uh, I believe it was the Hell in a Cell uh, one with him and Taker. Yes, yes, yeah. There was one I watched with him and Taker. I, don't I like know the way he tells now. the Hell in a Cell story, where it was like, "Well, I can't get in there and do what Shawn Michaels did, but what if I started the match up there?" And I'm like, <laughs> "What the fuck?" I can amazing. guarantee you it did not happen the way that he tells the story. He probably just, well, I mean, can we do something from up there? Like, because that's how people fucking talk. When wrestlers tell the story of how great matches happen, it's always so fucking theatrical. Oh, no, it was Triple H and McFoley. Oh, the feud in the 2000s was that the either yeah, the street it was fight Triple or the Hell H in a Cell. And, McFoley. and that also got me out of Triple H. <laughs> I want to watch some Triple H stuff yeah, too. You got to watch the promo stuff. Got to watch the promo stuff. Uh, didn't WCW use that at one time? I'm I'm assuming he's referring to the electric cage. The no, electric cage. Yeah, they that's used what he said. it. Uh, they used the electric chair. The electric chair? Yes. So what happened was, so what, so what ha- happened was, they had a Horrors of Chambers match in WCW. It was an eight-man tag, baby faces and heels, and obviously the heels were like grotesque. Free- Abdullah the Butcher was in the chair, so he's one of the heels. I don't remember exactly which, which, who were the members of the team, but I remember Cactus Jack was on the team. And that was one of the infamous stories is why the match was so bad. First of all, no good workers in this match. Everyone just taking bumps, and which is not even the point. The whole object of the match, because it's a cell, like a big cage, and then they were in the middle of the ring was an electric chair where you, you strap somebody in, and then you have to go to the side of the cell, and you pull the lever down, and it's supposed to spark it. That's the end of the match. You electrocute a guy in the middle of the ring. Now... You essentially the kill electric somebody. fence and the ch- <laughs> yeah essentially you, to win this match you must murder an, uh, your opponent in cold blood. Give somebody the death penalty. Yeah, it's, it's exactly what it is. So, uh, but the chair was rigged the same way the cage that I described was. So you're in the chair and when you flip the switch, it's supposed to send sparks and all this other stuff. And he's supposed to. Blah, 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 blah. I think one of them took a tablet once and it just started foaming. Blah, 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 blah. Well. It all went to shit when the cameraman who was... They got Abdullah in the chair. Strapped him up, did the whole deal. And Cactus goes to the side of the cell to go pull the lever. The problem is, it's the gimmick lever. 
doesn't mean right. anything. The lever is just there for a prop. When he pulls the lever down, the dude in the back is supposed to hit the button, and you see the sparks and the blah, blah, blah. Well, they didn't factor in. The reason why they put that shit on the side of the cell was that no one hit it accidentally. You have to literally climb like part of the cell to reach it. What they didn't factor in is they didn't put a washer or a resistance at all in that. So the minute Cactus starts climbing the cell at 287 pounds, that, you know, if you ever climbed a chain link fence before, it moves when you mm-hmm. climb up. So he's heavy. And he's moving the shit. And as he's climbing up, the cameraman catches him in the, the, uh, the lever in the same shot. And as he's climbing, the lever fell by itself. So he didn't want to back off. So he keeps climbing. He pulls the lever back up. And then he slams it down. And he was like, motherfucker, that, that fucking thing was already down. It's bullshit. It's all kayfabe. This is garbage. Garbage wrestling. And yeah, that, that whole thing went to shit fast. But uh, yeah, that that was the version they chose. Onita. I vaguely remember this, but explain to me what the eye for an eye match. I feel like I was around and watching this. Let me, let me, yeah, eye for an eye. Hold on one second. Let me make sure I've also, I've sold many non-wrestling fans. And uh, yeah, FMW is pretty cool. If they're a blood and guts type of guy, FMW is perfect for them. Uh, James says the Hell in a Cell Rumble. Boy, I would, you know what? I wouldn't put it past them to do a Royal Rumble inside it. That is multiple hats on top of it. That is a fireman's hat and an army helmet on top of that. It doesn't make any sense. Elix Skipper still has the best cage spot. I don't think you've seen that. I should send that to you. That was when they had TNA had the six sides of steel. So it was mm-hmm. a six-sided ring, and they had the cage on the ring like the old school, but it was mm-hmm. in a hexagon. And there was a dude who was climbing up to get out of the cage, so he puts one leg over, and he's on the cage. And then Elix Skipper, the guy he's talking about, he also climbing. You know, the guy, you know how you stop a guy from whatever, whatever. So he hits him, he hits him, he hits him, boom. Hits him with a big kick, bam, and now he sells. Uh, so, so Elix goes up another side. Not the same panel they were on. He goes up another panel, walks to the, climbs the cage, puts his feet on top of it. it, it there was no platform, bro. This is all pole. Right. Straight pole. No platform. Mm-hmm. Hey, he yo. he puts his <laughs> he puts his feet on the top of the cage, and in one one swift movement, he walked the cage, and then Hurricane Rana the dude back into the ring, and it was on the pole. So he's tiptoeing like he's falling as he's walking, like he's falling toward the ring, and he just hurried up, hurried up, hurried up, and grabbed him and Hurricane Rana. It was one of the greatest spots we've ever seen because nobody he should have busted his ass. It seemed like he was about to fall the entire time. Right. And it took like 12 seconds to pull this move off. And he just, and then he finally took the guy over. And the guy sold it. Oh, thank God he didn't break his neck. Still, what I'll, say, I'll send it to you is one of the greatest hurricane runners I've ever fucking seen in my fucking life. So, uh, yeah, I'm down there now. Eye for an eye. This happened this year. It was an eye for an eye match. Seth Rollins versus Rey Mysterio. They had built up this program, this feud. Oh, I'm, I'm over it already. <laughs> and you just started <laughs> fucking watching. I've been watching this bullshit since March. But they had built up this this thing between Seth Rollins and Rey. This is where the whole thing. Believe it or not, we're in October. You're already sick of it. And this eye for an eye match happened months before you even started watching it again. No, I'm it not was, sick of anything. I'm sick of Rey here. Mysterio. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's a lifetime of just, yeah, I get that. So, uh, Mysterio uh, got his eye damaged by Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins took Ray's head to the corner of the steps, Mm. and then he, like, boom, he shoved him into it, and it supposedly damaged his eye. 
and they did the whole cell job, and he wears a luchador mask with a with that side covered up now. It's like a it's like a an injury or whatever, and he had supposedly healed up over time, and decided he wanted to get revenge on Seth Rollins. Is that I'm gonna this is gonna be an eye for an eye match, and everybody's like, oh, so basically you're just gonna have a grudge match. He's like, no, no, not at all. If I win, I'm gonna take his eye out. <laughs> I'm gonna take his eye out. Yeah, it was like face off. I would take his whole face off. <laughs> it's like his face off. Yes, his face, face off. off. And that's the same thing. Eye for an eye. He said, "Oh, you mean metaphorically? No, not at no, all. I want his <laughs> eye. I want his eye. I want his physical eyeball to be in my hand. I it want will complete my collection yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of other miscellaneous eyeballs that I have strewed in my yard yep. back in San Diego." Uh, the actual, the decorations are not decorations. These is my actual co- collection of human eyeballs. So that's what people were talking about. So when they booked it, everybody in the, I got to say this about that match. Everyone who knows anything about wrestling knows that match was going to fall on its ass. How do you pull that off? Where where do we do, Where what is the finish to an eye, first, an eye for an eye match? And people were coming up with all kinds of shit. A CGI eye. People were like coming up with all these different, like it became the butt of a joke, but everyone was talking about this match. That's the one thing where I'm like, it did generate interest, but it was doomed to failure. There was no way. So we get to the actual match. They do the same exact, like they build toward, they have an actual match, and these two guys are great, but they get to the steps, and it's Rey Mysterio again, and he does the whole deal, bam, and and the camera, no lie, shoots Rey Mysterio on the ground with what looked like, and people were making jokes, like almost like a golf ball. It was in his hand like this. He had his hand here, and the eyeball was in his hand like that. And you can see, like, they're trying to put a towel to it. They purposely let you see just enough to make you believe it was an eye. And then they just, no, 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 you got to put pressure. His, but his eye's out, I promise. His eye's out, I swear his to God. His eye is out. His eye's out. I'm calling it. That we're, take, we're taking him to the local medical facility. And uh, still better. No than blood, <laughs> just just all white ball. Yeah, Paul <laughs> P- P- Green says it was a ping pong bu- uh, ball. Oh, and there was no blood. Well, it didn't bleed at all. What do you mean no? What do you mean? Oh, if you remove your you fucking know, eye, well, no, no, let's do it fast enough and clean. <laughs> fast enough. No blood. The eyeball came out ever so slightly, and then he held on to it like this. Uh huh. Yeah, While yeah. it's in place, like, well, maybe it didn't detach; it just popped out. Oh man! And then, and then they delivered with a straight face, a straight face on commentary. They said, "Well, the eye has been surgically repaired, and mm. uh, he's convalescing back at home." Like, we have the technology. <laughs> we can. You mean to tell me we can cure blindness right now? And you holding out? You saved all that shit for Rey Mysterio? Come on now. Have you seen Raw's uh, Saw 2 op- opening scene? I haven't seen. Uh, I know I saw one. I think you saw two as well because I might have been with you. I, I think so. remember two, but that's where I stopped. That's it. I don't know. Two. There's yeah. like 17 Saws. The I believe the Saw 2 opening scene, was that the lady with the jaw machine? I think that's the. I think that's Saw 2 with the she had the lock or whatever that was on. James Branch, the eye for an eye match would have been perfect for Raven versus Scotty Riggs. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know if you know about this feud. So in WCW in the late 90s, you remember Raven. 
That one you yes. re- you remember. I love okay. Raven. There was Raven a guy was in WCW called Scotty Riggs. Basic, you know, blue collar, just baby face guy. He's a good hand. You know, I don't want to say jobber because he won matches every now and again, but lower tier, lower tier guy. And Raven and him uh, had a match on Nitro. Again, superstar versus, you know, lower tier guy. It's supposed to make the superstar look good. One of Raven's moves was a drop toe hold. He would, he would put up a, a chair, like a steel chair, put it like in a seated position where he would sit mm-hmm. down on it. In the middle of the ring, he'd Irish rip the guy. He'd do a drop toe hold, and the guy would front bump and hit the chair with his, uh, with his head. I remember that. Right. Okay. So, Scotty, uh, whether it was a work or not, People debate it to this day. Apparently, he hit the chair hard enough where it damaged one of his eyes. Just mm. the way that he took it and the way that he sold it. And it looked like a shoot deal because it looked like Raven was going to go to something else and then ended up just pinning him. So it, 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 drew, it drew that line of, like, real or not real. No one really knew. All of a sudden, he starts showing up on Nitro with an eye patch. And he started swearing revenge on Raven. And this is when Raven was doing the Raven's flock deal. So he mm. was, like, convincing a lot of people, oh, yeah, like a cult leader type stuff. So Scotty Riggs got his one match in, he's got his ass beat, but then he got recruited, so he became a member of the flock. So he started dressing all dirty and grungy, and his hair was all over the place, but he still had the patch. So that's what he's saying. Eye for an eye would have been dope, but Scotty Riggs and Raven, he'd be like, eye for an eye, you damaged my eye, so now I must remove your eye. I want to get into some mirror. WCW, man. Oh, brother. There was, a, there was a lot of good stuff in there, and I just I never watched it because I had to be in bed by the time you were watching it. That's true. <laughs> James Branch with American Males. Oh, man. American Males. American Males. That's the lyrics of the song. That's the only thing they say. Oh, that, that's the whole song. It was two It was two, uh, two guys who were doing a stripper gimmick. Down, oh, to, the, down to the Chippendales. Uh, but they were the American Males. American Males. Uh, American, American Males. males. Yeah. One of them, you do know, Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Or as you know him, Buff Bagwell. Um, but. I'm tough, and the girls cannot get enough. I love it. <laughs> Put some respect on Scotty Riggs. Him and Buff won the tag team title belts twice. Ooh. I'll give him credit on this. He won world tag team championships when those belts meant something. something. So yeah. I will give him credit on that. He was competing in the same division with Harlem Heat, the Nasty Boys. So, all right, Pogreen, I'll take my medicine on that one. I didn't say he was a jabroni. I said he was a little higher up than that because he won matches. I forgot about the tag titles. So he goes, yes, 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 yes. Okay, see, he was just, he just wants me to eat more humble pie mm. is what that is. Now, you didn't get a chance to see this past Wednesday, Wednesday's uh, Halloween Habit. Yes, I did. You did? You said, okay. You yes, did I did. Okay. No, I said, no, I told you I didn't have enough time to walk because there was a lot of, like, I mean, obviously, they on the network, they put a bunch of, like, uh, old ones on there. Yes. I didn't have time for all that, but I did see this one. This one, yes. What were your thoughts on this one? <laughs> okay, Mr. so Mr. I'm a casual. Go ahead. My first thought was, man, I should have watched some of the old ones to see if this is how they conducted the old ones. Because no. if it was, <laughs> then I would say, you know what? I'm okay with it. Because it's a nostalgia thing, whatever. But you're telling me it's not. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, it would not have been that bad if it wasn't for, and I'm trying to remember their name. Uh, was it Dexter? Was Dexter Loomis one? and Cameron Gimes. Okay, that is the one match I can't talk about. 
Because I didn't watch it. You're don't worry about it. <laughs> it literally wasn't a match. Ever since it's WrestleMania. Like, no, that's what the it, WrestleMania matches were. It went through the like the span of the whole event. Yeah. I know they Roddy Piper that bitch. No, you're good. You did I don't even think there was a there wasn't even a ref involved. I the only part of the match that I caught was when they came like I skipped the whole part in the house. I didn't unpause I mean I didn't I didn't uh play it out until he was crawling and the zombie chicks were like coming after him. And I'm laughing because he scrambled back. No, no, we're not in the house anymore. We're not in the house anymore. I'm like Cameron, I skipped. Please, boy, tell me what the fuck they did to you in the house. Because <laughs> it sounds shit. like they beat the fuck out of it, you. It was a movie. I only paused one part, the shower. Because I was fast-forwarding and I saw some lady in the shower. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Because he, when I'm fast-forwarding, he's running away from Dexter Loomis. Right? He's running for his life. He's going room to room. And I'm fast-forwarding. I'm like, blah, 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 blah. Then I saw the shower. And then I saw him start to disrobe. But I'm like, pause for one second. Is he stopping from yeah. running for his life? To get some head. To try to he clap tried, some cheeks in the shower. To try to get some buns. His, I and, said, it's, and it's fresh. I had out the shower. I had, I, that ain't, ain't That's no, when you get the nasty. <laughs> <laughs> ain't ain't no coochie like a body like a body wash coochie. Ain't ain't no Ooh, it ain't nothing like little it. Little scrub, little but, scrubbies uh, in the soap. He's literally holding. <laughs> wait, he's literally holding the door. And then he turns, and all he sees is his silhouette. And he's all like, yeah, like, time out. Hold on. There yeah. is a six-foot-four psychopath in leather gloves over here looking to fuck you up. And you want to stop for buns? You trying to stop the claps and cheeks right now? Absolutely. Oh, yes. Lord. If you're going to go out, you're going to oh, go no. out with some cheeks. <laughs> oh, if you're going to die, that's the way he was choosing his fate. That's what it was. That's it, He man. said, oh, fuck this. <laughs> No, I didn't watch any of that stuff. Uh, they almost even lost. have to go back. I know you're going to because you're a glutton for punishment, man, but that was disgusting. It was so bad. I just watched it just because it was playing, and I didn't want to stop or fast forward it. That was so bad. That was really bad. Oh, that's what I wanted to ask you, but you didn't see it, so I guess it doesn't matter. I was going to say, would you rather take that or would you rather take the thing with Jericho? What was oh. worse? Well, it was the a cinematic. Jericho was far better than what the fuck they displayed. Here. Yeah. That shit was disgusting. The Jericho one was more entertaining. I don't actually have a problem with the segment. I called Chris after that segment. I conceded that Chris Jericho is now the greatest performer of all time. I conceded it because only this motherfucker could do some shit like this. And and I said and pull it off. I don't know what the fuck I fast forwarded, but I it, I don't think it was anywhere near a Jericho level segment. So. I, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I will concede. I will go ahead and concede that the the, the Le Dinner Debonair was better than um, whatever that haunted house thing is. The whole theme of the wheel thing, was that a part of the WCW? Yes, the that wheel? was old school. Okay. Spin the wheel, make a deal. Uh, the reason why a lot of casuals aren't aware of it is because they only used it twice. And the okay. reason why they only used it twice is because it didn't work. It right. was a bad idea. The reason why they brought it back is because they figured out how to do it correctly. Because what happens is on the thing you want, right? They were doing get, the, the way that they got away with it before is they would pick a lot of stipulations that all kind of worked the same way, right? You pick you pick stipulations for the wheel that all have either exactly the same or similar psychology. 
so mm-hmm. that no matter what it lands on, you can right. work kind of the same match, and it doesn't really matter. So it right. makes it it makes it real. It's a you real just call spin. Call a few audibles. Call and a few audibles and go about your business. Right. right. But as time passed on, and the com- and the gimmick matches, like you said, started to make less and less sense. Now you've got two guys in the ring. You spin the wheel. You get a shitty gimmick. You get a shitty match. So they got rid of it. But Triple H figured it out. Because at first, before the pay-per-view, or what is it even pay-per-view? Uh, before Halloween Havoc, they were doing the wheel on the screen. So that's perfect. I mean, you just computerize it, and you could just land. Yeah. You could just land on whatever you want. So I was like, okay, that works out. I don't. I like the wheel at all. But if you're gonna do it, I guess that's the way to do it. Because it still That'd looked. Be the way to do it. It yeah. still looked cool, and it made. And the you can make sound. it more dramatic. Like yeah. this one, when they spun it, it's just like, stop. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the digital one, you can just make it go and then <laughs> stop wherever it. you want it. I got surprised when they brought in an actual wheel for the show, though. For right. Halloween Havoc, they had an actual wheel. But you can tell the way it spun, it was gimmicked to perfection. They, oh, yeah, the way it stopped, it was like... Yeah, it was like right there. <laughs> it was like the wheel at the casinos. It was like it was perfect. It completely stopped. It, 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 and with the, with the little telltale little shimmer in the, in the middle. Yeah, bit. yeah, it like shook right yeah. on the right so one. Yeah, so they figured it out, so it's good. Uh, Paul Green wants me to uh, guide the young ones about the disrespect of WCW here. You said that you didn't get a chance to see any of the older ones. Mm-mm. Here's where the new Halloween Havoc almost lost me, and I said out loud, if they do what I think they're about to do, I'm going to turn this shit off. And my, and, wife, and my wife called it immediately. She said, this is what they're going to do. And I said, if they do that, I'm going to be so mad, and I'm going to turn this shit off. And I almost, good for that. I almost did. So the show, the old, what made Halloween Havoc so great is the set design. That was one of the biggest things about the pay-per-view. It had a vibe. They had the the strobe light thing going. There was ghouls and ghosts and all the shit it's you saw. Halloweeny, put you right. in the mood. But here's where Halloween. The first of all, the Halloween Havoc logo was dope, and they would put that over this giant ass pumpkin. It was like a part of the set. It was like this mm-hmm. real go- creepy look. It was awesome. The whole ambiance. So I was concerned that since it's an NXT pay-per-view, all we're gonna get are screens again. That's what I thought. So we get there, and I see the wheel, and I'm like, okay. I see the set. I'm like, all right, we're, we're getting there. And then they showed the pumpkin that they got. And I went, oh, thank God, they got a pumpkin. But then I looked at it, and I was like, why the fuck does that look like some lawn decor? What is this inflatable bullshit? Like, they went to Party City for this pumpkin. What is this? So I was shitting on the pumpkin. Mm. But then I got distracted because they started to do Damien Priest's entrance, which is a dope. Oh, my God. It's a dope entrance. I... I can't wait for this guy to get away from this goddamn Gargano guy. I can't <laughs> stand Johnny Gargano. Watching him makes me want to go to sleep, but this Damien Priest dude is fucking amazing. His entrance is ridiculous. I love his entrance. But they cut it in half. Uh, as soon as they played his video, because they had a live performance. So the the guy is playing the guitar and all this stuff, and he starts doing his... And I was like, oh, they cut it in half, so I'm already mad. And then my wife goes, during the entrance, my wife goes, oh, they had to cut his entrance in half. He can't walk out because the pumpkin's in the way. And I remember the old Halloween Havoc set where the pumpkin was in the middle and they would come out from behind the pumpkin. They would walk around the pumpkin. So I'm thinking the pumpkin's right in the middle again. Shouldn't be an issue. The guy playing guitar is on the side of the pumpkin. So the entrance has to be the normal entrance, right? They're going to walk around the pumpkin. So she's like, oh, no, he, they cut it in half because he can't walk out. There's a giant pumpkin in the way. And I'm like, that shouldn't even be a factor in any of this. What are you talking about? Right. So I'm like, this, no, they just shit on my boy's entrance, and I'm, I'm mad. Right. And then Gargano's music hits, 
And my wife says out loud, wouldn't it be hilarious if he cuts the if he fucking pumpkin. pops the fucking pumpkin? And I said, I swear to fucking God, the ultimate. Disrespect. I swear to fucking God, if they disrespect Halloween Havoc like this, I'm turning this shit off. And I said that out loud because I was that fucking confident he wasn't going to fucking do that. And it's sure enough. He comes creeping around the pumpkin, which is what I thought they would do. They would walk around the pumpkin. And mm-hmm. then he looks at the pumpkin, and he looks at Damien, and he puts that stupid smile on his face, and he goes, and I went, fuck you. I threw, <laughs> I threw my fucking remote. I said, they did not just fucking do that. That's and hilarious. I went, and I, I swear to God, I was like this close to turning this shit off. I was like, I'll watch it another day. It's funny fuck how that. that was a standout moment, because when he did it, I knew nothing of what that was, yeah. but my mind said that must have been like, that was set up in a way where it's like, it was supposed to mean something. I didn't yeah. know what it was, but now that you're kind of explaining it yeah. to me, I think, I it think makes it a lot a, more sense. I now. think it was a heat attempt. He wanted to get heat. Yeah. Okay, fuck Halloween had <laughs> No, fuck yeah. you. This is an awesome moment for all of us. And you ruined it. You ruined it. You son of a bitch. That's what he did. He ruined it. But it was, I, it's all part of the job. I get it. But it was still like, I, for a split second, I was like, what else are we going to do here? What, what else can we longest, possibly do? Longest match of the show, and it was uh, like a snore fest. I just, I don't like, jo- I really just don't like Johnny. It's He's not entertaining at all. Once he left Ciampa, that was it. If you go back to some of the earlier NXT stuff and you see his shit with Ciampa, it's dope. But it's the only guy that I can think of right. where he shined like that. And I think it was because now we all know now it was really Ciampa. You know, Gargano's a—he's an okay wrestler. I've worked with him a bunch. He can wrestle. He—he he knows all the places to be, and he's a little—he—I—I've worked with him, so I know how in depth he goes with his matches, and that turns me off to him a little bit because it, all of his matches are like to the T. Mm-hmm. And that was another thing that Mrs. O caught, because I have this issue with picture in picture when they go to commercial and then the wrestling stays in that top corner, and then they have the commercial on the bottom corner. That's a that's a picture in picture, okay. Mm-hmm. Keeping the wrestling going so you don't miss the action, but they've got to get these commercials in, right? So they put the commercials in. As a professional wrestler, when you're on commercial, whether it be picture in picture or not, when the referee says two minutes, we're in commercial. That is where you go into rest hole city, or at the very least, low impact shit. Right. Right. Forearm. I'm glad you're bringing this up. This is my biggest pet peeve right now. So he. So the first picture in picture they get to, the commercial comes out, Gargano and Damian Priest are fighting, and Damian Priest and Johnny Gargano are landing bombs. They are power bombing each other into the fence. They're throwing each other into the steps. They get suplexed on the ramp. I'm like, what the fuck is this? I can't see any of it, you pricks. And I got a big fucking TV over here. I can't fucking see it. What are you doing? That is supposed to be the opposite. So my wife said, I don't think the referee told them they were on commercial. And I said, I think he told them. I just don't think they gave two shits. Mm. And my wife said, is, and then she just looked at me and she just knew. And I said it to her. I was like, Johnny. Because Johnny, Johnny puts his matches together like this. This is what Johnny's match looks like. This is how Johnny's match is going to go. We're on commercial. I... This is the way that yeah, my match is going to go. This is when I get suplexed, though. So yeah, we but this is when I get, yeah, I'm supposed to get bombed Or you're here. missing it. <laughs> That's Catch it on the replay, kids. I don't know what to AEW tell you. AEW is big for that shit, and it drives me right. insane. Right, but to be fair, I'll give you an AEW example because 
that same night, I watched. I went back. I watched the NXT thing uh, the day after it happened, and then I watched AEW the day after that. But it was all in the same day when it went live. They did the same thing in AEW. They went to the picture-in-picture. This was Eddie Kingston versus Matt Seidel. And here's the veteran of Eddie Kingston. This is why I love him. This is why I loved having him as a mentor for so many years. He got told. You could see the referee do it. Two minutes in commercial or whatever he says, whatever his cue is. He leans over. And as soon as you see the ref lean over, Kingston, right to the cutoff, because he's the heel, right to the cutoff, bing, bang, boom, couple of... And then, give me the neck, baby. Yeah, we're going to Rest City, baby. Let's do this. Mm -hmm. And he just started working the heel shit. And as soon as we come back and you hear the commentators talking again, here comes Seidel. Boom, boom, boom. Come back. Here we go. That's professional wrestling. I don't know what the fuck happened on NXT. These these dudes just went off. They They were throwing bombs. I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. I I don't know. I that picture in picture thing drives me nuts. Oh, Paul Green brings it up in the chat. And everyone who wore Halloween themed gear, old macho man in black and orange. I I this is another reason why I completely I completely dis, dislike Gargano's takeover stuff. Every gar, every takeover outfit for Gargano was some sort of reference to pop culture. It's a Marvel character, it's a television show thing. So he came out with the Jack Skeleton outfit. He had a customized Jack Skeleton Nightmare mm-hmm. Before Christmas. And at first we giggled. <laughs> Because he's doing the Mark shit, right? But across the ring from him is Damian Priest, who's wearing Sting's gloves. Um, he kept his pants, but he wore he wore the black on black, and he's doing the fucking Sting, oh, the crow right before doing the big splash. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? I don't like I don't like the pop culture references. Not all the time. It's become routine for these people to fucking do it now. Like when Ricochet came out as Nightwing. Uh, at a fucking pay-per-view. A guy who normally wears trunks, boots, kick pads. He came out in a full-body Nightwing fucking costume for SummerSlam. And I was like, why? So much effort. I don't understand it. And uh, his wife wore, uh, I think it's Sally, who's the female from Nightmare Before Christmas? The one that Jack Skeleton was all like high on. Mm-hmm. I think it was Sally. She wore the Sally gear. She was the little the, the woman who kept getting sewn up. Mm-hmm. So they did a husband and wife uh thing on this pay-per-view. I was like I'm oh. good with it. Yeah, I'm all set. Thanks a lot. Speaking of which, uh Hubby opened the show, but Wifey closed the show. The ladder match. Did you get a chance to see the ladder match? I saw the whole thing. Saw the whole thing. Thoughts on the ladder match. It was alright. It's pretty good. Again, I'm not a big I'm not too big on Candice, although I think she's a lot better than her husband. That's for sure. <laughs> the match was good. It was good. They did a good job with the the ladders and the, all that good stuff. I don't know. Something about their ladders. They like they're like Legos. The way they break, oh. it's just weird. They're the sawn off ones. They we got a, we started doing. Oh man, when did they first? I want to say WrestleMania. Where was the one where Jeff Hardy came back and it was Edge? I want to say 24? I think it was WrestleMania 24, where I'm 37 now. So about 13 years ago. First time they ever did that spot, because normally for TLC matches or ladder matches, people go through tables. They usually have the table set up. Jeff Hardy and Edge decided they were going to break a ladder. So they were like, here's what we're going to do, man. I'm going to put the ladder out here, and I'm going to go to the top of this ladder, and I'm going to swan time from the top of this ladder like I normally would kill myself. 
and you're gonna break through the ladder. We're gonna saw in the middle, it'd be perfect. Bam, all we need is like this much pressure. We'll kick it, it's dope. And the edge right. took a look at that and said, You are not swantoning me because that's when you throw your whole ass at me and I just came back from neck surgery, so go fuck yourself. Figure something else out. <laughs> and that's when Jeff Hardy said, All right, fuck it. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go to the top of this ladder and I'm gonna come down ass first, right into your gut. I'm gonna just sit like that, like a sumo drop. That way I can I can control all my weight. And the edge said, Dead ass, do that. Hit me in the belly though, because if you hit me in the face and give me a top ladder or tea bag, I'ma fuck you up. And they said, All right, my man, I got top you. Ladder tea bag. Yeah, if you teabag me from the top of the ladder to the floor, we're gonna have problems and conversations. And he said, I got you, fam. And he went to the top of that ladder and he nailed it perfect. But it was such a clean break and so perfect. Now every ladder match has the ladder break. Right. So now it means I'll tell you why I was impressed with the ending. I they did a good job where I don't realize it in other matches that I've been watching, but I really did like the early setup for the end. Okay. I thought that was really cool because I completely forgot all about it. And they didn't it's smart. I'm, I'm I'm assuming they did it on purpose. They I don't think they ever went back to that side of the ring. So the camera, mm. like you completely forget about that ladder. And then when she starts pushing her over, you're like, where's she? And then you remember, Oh no, she's not going to take that drop. <laughs> and she took it. And I, I was impressed with that. That, that was pretty cool. So. That's the one uh, positive about Candice LeRae that I think sometimes people sleep on when she was on the Indies, she was one of the most dangerous women around because she took sick bumps she's the one who let the young bucks double super kick her with uh thumbtacks on their boots she was doing cage matches where she was tearing up her forehead like abdullah the butcher she she's not afraid to get bloody and fucked up and when she came to wwe i was concerned because i've worked with her in the past and i know for a fact that she got over a lot with the big shit she can wrestle but the big shit she would do is what got her over they're not gonna let you do all kinds of big shit in wwe not at her weight and her size. It's like, this, that's not going to happen. And little oh, by little, they kind of got her into it. That ladder match was like a little taste of how sick and deranged that woman can actually be. She could really be fucking deranged when she wants to be. That cute and innocent Nebraska bread, blonde, whatever, whatever. She's a maniac. <laughs> when she gets going and she's motivated, they got to use more of that. I know as a heel, she's doing what is it, poison pixie or something like that. Mm-hmm. She had those wings or whatever. Mm-hmm. She's a dangerous... She's a dangerous B-I-T-C-H when she's, when she's capable, when, she, when they let her go. What did you think of EO Shirai's entrance with Poppy? Oh, that was, that was sick. That was Two so, live entrances oh, on this my show. God. That entrance was insanely good. Who EO. was that? I heard she's like some radio host or something. Poppy? Whoever that girl that was singing. No, she used to be. She's a metal singer from Europe, I think. Oh, okay. she um she um uh, she's done her entrance before when she was trying to put an album out. She did another song, uh, cause you notice Eo Shirai's that's Poppy, but there's no lyrics to it. They just gave mm-hmm. them the beat or whatever. So the first time she did the performance, she sang an upcoming song on the album, and then they transitioned into that theme, and that's when Eo came out. So this time, remember, I got mad at them for cutting Damien Priest's music in half or her entrance in half. So now mm-hmm. we get to my. Favorite theme of the whole show, and they cut that out. I didn't even get that. I got some other song. Now, the entrance was still dope, mm-hmm. but there, uh, listen, nothing gets my blood. She has a better song? You gotta see her actual entrance with the regular song. Shit is crazy. What were your thoughts on Rhea Ripley? 
she's good, man. <laughs> that that man. That I honestly, I was sitting there, I was watching that match between these two girls, and I'm like, Jesus Christ! If there was a super heavyweight version mm-hmm. of like women's wrestling, this is it, this man. Is it, Broad right shoulders, <laughs> height. These women are just hitting each other. It it was good. Both of them were really good. I don't. I haven't heard of the. Uh, I don't know Raquel. Raquel, Raquel Gonzalez, yeah. Yeah, Raquel Gonzalez. I've She's the muscle for Dakota Kai. Except from the Kai. promos, I haven't really heard much about her. So this this one was with Rhea Ripley, man. She's something else. Rhea Ripley. I'm telling you. I, I Every time, this is my brutality. I, my TV goes all the way up to 100. My son's like, no. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's Rhea it's Ripley. But is time. she ready, though? Oh, yeah. No. Now she is. Is she going to fold? Is she, she going to come back? She wrestled Charlotte last year at uh, WrestleMania for the NXT title and stole the show. She was the best match at WrestleMania that just passed. So mm-hmm. she's ready to go. <laughs> it's just a matter of there's a lot of people they have kind of in a holding pattern because right. there's no people. So they're afraid to pull the trigger on certain people because they don't want to showcase them too crazy before people start coming back. Right. But there was nobody leading up to WrestleMania. So like. I'll say Survivor Series going into the Rumble, that whole area right there of time. Nobody hotter than Rhea Ripley. She was right. dominating. She wore she won war games all by herself, essentially. <laughs> Survivor Series. Then she captained at War Games, which is the NXT show before Survivor Series. She damn near she damn near won the whole pay per view by herself. Then she goes the next night to Survivor Series to lead the five women NXT team. Won that match. Uh, went on the Raw to dominate. Went back on the NXT and won the NXT chip. She just, she just dominate. She won the NXT Women's Championship. Charlotte wins the Royal Rumble. She has to decide between the Raw and SmackDown title, who at the time was being held by Bailey and Becky Lynch, two people she's beaten a thousand times. And Rhea Ripley comes out on Raw, looks Charlotte in the face and said, hey, you won the Rumble. You've already beaten these two floozies, but you haven't beaten me. Why not compete for the LXT title at WrestleMania? And she was like, sure, let's go. And they had the best match. Mm. And, 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 and this is when COVID had just hit. So they didn't have all the fancy smancy audio and video they had. There was just a you – know, WrestleMania was in a closet. Right. It was in a broom closet, and these two women went out there and went nuts. Uh, yeah, she was really good. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of her. Paul Green says, how come NXT isn't involved this year in Survivor Series? <clears throat> NXT is not a brand, it's Paul a developmental. Green. It's a developmental fucking territory. They tried it last year because they had just enough stars to make it interesting. Most of those stars are now on the main roster. There's no one on NXT right now that is of any interest right now of trying to make a pay-per-view wrapped around that. It's not necessary. Plus, to be honest with you, the only high-profile match that would have made any sense would have been putting Finn Balor into that match with Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre. Finn Balor is still suffering from a broken jaw. No sense in it. Your NXT Tag Team Champions are only Lorcan and Danny Burch. That's your NXT Tag Team Champions. You want them in the ring with New Day and uh, with Street Profits? I'm not interested. North American Champion? It just became Johnny Gargano. So the Intercontinental Champion, Sami Zayn, the U.S. Champion, Bobby Lashley, and Johnny Gargano, is that the match that you people want? Do you want <laughs> is that? that? What is you that want? what you want? <laughs> is that what you You'd want? You think about that for a second. Now, to be fair, 
for in the women's uh, side, Asuka, Sasha Banks, Io Shirai, I'm sold. That's your main event of Survivor Series if you did that. But other than that, I really don't have any matches of interest. What five-man team do you want to put on display for the NXT guys? Who? Oh, there's nobody really of any interest. It was last year. Yeah, that was last year. Like I just said, they had the star power to do it. NXT had so many proven stars uh, last year that Finn Balor was on NXT. He wasn't on Survivor Series. That's how deep NXT was last year. They're not that deep anymore. So now, Vince uh, Vince is afraid. Nah, yeah, it's not on the same level as it was last year. No, it is not on the same level. It doesn't have the same vibe. I'm not. Last year's Survivor Series, I was excited as fuck. I was going to get Adam Cole versus Pete Dunne. I was going to get the, the triple threat elimination matches, two of them. I was getting all kinds of shit. High, high profile situation. Retribution. Have you seen Retribution yet? I'm trying to remember which. They were on Raw with the goofy face mask and Ali. Right, yes, yes, yes. They were on the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view as well. Slapjack fought Bobby Lashley for the U.S. title. Can you imagine your gimmick being so shitty? That you issue a challenge to a rival group, a group you've already been fighting. Not like this is the first time you're touching. You've been fighting all week or weeks. And you go, I'm going to issue a challenge to the Hurt Business tonight. Live on pay-per-view, I'll take one of my guys against one of your guys. You get to pick who you want for your team, and you even get to pick who you want for my team. Ballsy, right? And then they did that challenge on the pre-show. And this is why you should not have outside wrestling personalities do your pre-show for you. Because as soon as Ali was done with that promo, which he worked really hard on, I'm sure, we're going to issue this challenge for a fight. We're going to give you a fight tonight at Hell in a Cell. And we're issue a challenge to the Hurt Business. And then Pete... And then this dude, uh, was Pete, Pete Rosenberg, from uh, ESPN... Nah, 90, 90, from ESPN mm-hmm. and from... Uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. As soon as they come back from the promo, Charlie, who's hosting the panel, goes, what do you think about that challenge? What do you do if you were MVP? And Pete looks at the camera with the straightest fucking face ever and goes, I don't care. (laughs) If I'm the Hurt Business, what do I give a shit? What the fuck? (laughs) It was so great because it was so fucking logical. And the writers must have been shitting themselves. They're like, no. But it makes complete fucking sense. Ali and Retribution are on the bottom of the fucking totem pole. Hurt Business is on top. Okay, can you imagine being the CEO of a company and you get told by your assistant that you're the guy who was on the lower end of the mailroom basically said you're a pussy. Look, how, happens the, all the time. how the fuck would this CEO? <laughs> yeah, first of all, he'd either laugh it off and do nothing or he'd be uber pissed about it and fire you immediately. Either way, this is not a problem that will last longer than five fucking minutes. Okay. And these people, and it wasn't just him. Sam Roberts is on there, the podcast guy. And he's like, yeah, I don't understand. Like, why would MVP even bother? They thought so little of that match that when Sasha and Bailey have, because they, they, the, they did Romans and Uso, two singles matches, which I thought they were going to break up the cells with the singles matches. But they did both singles matches. Then they did Sasha and Bailey. So I was like, are they going to do Drew and they're going to do Randy right after Sasha and Bailey? How does that work? And then they showed a clip of Bobby Lashley getting ready. I was like, oh, I forgot. Retribution is supposed to fight the Hurt Business. I completely fucking forgot. 
And then we're like, and then they joked about it on camera. They're like, hey, Bobby, who do you want to fight? I don't give a shit. <laughs> and I remember he was like, yeah, it's a whoever. Like, no one gave a fuck. Even Shelton at the end was like, uh, he could fight uh, Slap, whatever. What is his name? The dude was like, Slapjack. Yeah, Slapjack. Fuck it. Fight that oh, the guy. the name was like the goofy looking dude <laughs> or something <laughs> the, like oh, that. Oh, the goofy dude with the mask. And they all laughed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, seriously. It's one of these fucks. I don't know. Pick a, throw a dart. It's <laughs> whoever the fuck it is. So is that the is that the new nation of domination right there? Stop. I've That's had this That's the kind vibe of I was getting, man. It, it, I got so much of that vibe. I went back and started watching some D-Lo. Uh, was it? D- D-Lo, D-Lo Brown. Brown? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Love that guy. Down with the Brown. I'll break it all. Oh, oh, what you gonna do about why, it? Why are you saying stop? That doesn't remind you of uh, the nation. No, I was just that we had the, when this group debuted. It was this big thing about oh, they remind me of the nation. Not every black group needs to be the nation, motherfucker. Every every when the new day first dropped, they had suits and all that stuff, and they were like, oh, nation 2.0. And then uh, no, that, started, no, no, no. Originally, when they had the business suits, when they first debuted, they had the business suits, and then they disappeared for a week, and they came back with unicorns and whatever the fuck this shit is. But when the Hurt Business first got together, one of the writers did exactly what you just did and saw four black guys, at the time it was three, three black guys together and said, oh man, this reminds me of the nation. So they brought Ron Simmons in, Farouk, to come in and do a little angle with uh, MVP, kind of teasing some sort of tie. And that was when MVP went to Vince McMahon and literally said the sentence, not all black groups have to be the nation of domination. You know that, right? Because we don't stand for the same shit that the Nation of Domination is about. You know that, right? I don't have to tell you that. Yeah, but he's a smart businessman. Black. It's familiar, like just like me. Like, I instantly right, but, thought that. But MVP, MVP's point is very, very true. If if you always go with what's familiar, you'll never find a new familiar. It'll always be the same familiar. You know what I mean? Yeah, but Vince ain't looking for the new familiar. He, he's, he's not. But this is why... People like MVP are so important because for whatever reason, he's got Vince's ear. Vince will listen to this guy. Remember what you said about the male guy and the CEO up top? Yeah. This is literally that. He don't give a <laughs> fuck what he's saying. Well, Vince listen. considers everybody in the fucking mail room. <laughs> he, he, we're all just scrubs killing time and suckling at his teeth. He's the mastermind behind it all. He's the, the wizard of Oz behind the curtain. Paul Green says, Loomis, Priest, Champa, Cole, and Pete Dunn. Is that your five? Because if that's your five, bro, I can see why WWE is not that interested, to be honest with you. You just named five good wrestlers. None of the Damian Priest is on the come up. He will be a huge star when all this is over. Champa, been there, done that. That's old news. Cole, been there, done that. Both of these motherfuckers shouldn't even be in NXT, to be honest with you. Which is, uh, we've already been there, done that. Pete Dunn. Pete Dunn would have been great for the team. Pete should have probably captained the team, if you ask me. And not old pudgy Pete. Current Jack to the fucking gills, Pete. Oh, yeah. The Pete Dunn that we all saw. Was it Halloween Havoc where Pete Dunn hit uh No, that was on... I don't remember now if that was on Halloween Havoc or on a random NXT episode where Pete Dunn hit uh this dude with the chair and he was fucking... He was jacked to the gills. By the way, I'm getting jacked to the gills myself over here. I don't want to rip this outfit out. I just bought this. But it's he, he was jacked to the damn gills over here on that. He should have put a Sunoco logo on the screen because you know he's on the gas for real. So there's no way. I don't mean to make accusations, but no one gets that swole. Not that cut. 
in about three or four weeks without some sort of uh, recovering agent. That's all I'm saying. Uh, James Brandt, argue with a friend that's still holding out on retribution, thinking they are beating them down to lead to them raising and steamrolling everyone. Nah, they have no plans for these guys, and they are better off repackaging them individually. Here's the problem with that, James. They didn't need to repackage them in the fucking first place. There was no need for a retribution, unless you were doing exactly what people think you're doing, and you were trying to capitalize off of Dark Order in AEW. If that was the idea, it didn't work out so well. Popcorn for it. But he, that's why I never understood the group, because Ali is like, I saved these gentlemen. They were lost. They were unutilized. I'm like, no, they weren't. Not a single one of them were lost in the shuffle. The, even the stupid guy, Slapjack, which is Shane Thorne, who was a high-profile guy at NXT, okay, he got drafted, or not drafted, he was doing some shots on Raw. He might have been a little lost in the shuffle, but he was still getting put on. It wasn't like lost in the shuffle on the, on the developmental brain or lost in the shuffle on the pre-show. He was on the card wrestling stars every week, losing to them, but working on the main show all the time. Mia Yim was just number one contender to the NXT Women's Championship, high-profile. Dijakovic. Just wrestled for the NXT title. I mean, these guys were on were prominent members of the roster. Not Dio Madden, the big black guy with the mask. He wasn't very high profile, but he was doing commentary for a while for Raw up until he got F5 by Brock Lesnar for zero reason. Then he got the bug. And he got the bug again, I guess, because he really did train in NXT. But they, they, he's a very charismatic guy. He can talk, which is why you would see, which is a, has charisma, can talk, has great size. So it was a perfect thing to do to put a fucking muzzle on him, so that he couldn't speak, and then put him next to a guy equal size, so he didn't seem as tall, and then never have him wrestle in any matches, so he can't showcase his skill. That's the best way to utilize somebody who can talk his ass off, look menacing, and work the part. That's exactly what you should do. When you're a billion dollar company, but I digress. I just don't like their gimmick altogether. It's like they're there to Who fight the system and hold the system down, and but yet they're gonna fight. It doesn't make any sense that they're who they're beefing with like this this gimmick worked back in the day when you're fighting against like actually Vince, like the system itself yeah. you're fighting Stone against Cold. Stone. Exactly. Like that was kind of his gimmick where he was not necessarily like them, but like he didn't care. Like he would fight anybody. He didn't care about authority or anything like that. It's kind of the same thing, but like a new age way to do it. But it's like marching up to the CEO and then turning to your left and yelling at the guy next to you. It's like you're not fighting the system. You're just fighting some dude who works with you. (laughs) They debuted. They debuted Retribution on a random show where they threw Molotov cocktails on a generator somewhere in the back, causing disruptions with the lights and power outages. And they did that for like two weeks. And then on the third week, they were exclusively signed to Raw. And people were like, I don't, I don't get it. You, they were fucking up your show. Why would you even offer them? Forget the fact that this rebel group, within two weeks, signed the deal. Okay? So they wanted to fuck the system up so bad, that they signed and became corporate no, immediately. They have to do it within, though. You gotta get. You have to get in. <laughs> Remember, he said he could do it with a phone, but he needs to be able to buy the phone yes, to do he's, it. So he's, he's gotta, gotta get paid he's first. He's gotta get into the server. Two or three directly. paychecks, maybe four for security blanket, yeah. and then you fuck the system. Listen, I want to fight the system, but this rent's not gonna pay itself. So I'll mm. do it inside. 
Uh, how the hell didn't AJ's bodyguard not get drafted into the NBA? But then again, he did average 0.5 points and one rebound a game. All right, well, you answered your own question, Paul Green. Not everybody who's tall belongs in the fucking NBA, my friend. He does have a very minute bowl look to him, though. If you really think about it, it's got a real minute bowl look to him. Which, by the way, I'm I'm teasing it here, but I am, I'm dying. You need to watch the high score documentary, bro. You got to watch it. We got to talk about that shit on the show. I'm going to rewatch it because I want to take notes. This shit is so fucking amazing. They they well, they take you to the, the development of Madden, my friend. We no, go down I, the line. I tried to watch that like four times, and I just kept getting swept away by wrestling. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> He's got the bug. Dude, I was, I was watching Max Mini matches the other day. I watched like four or five of them. Like that whole, I was reminiscing because I went to a few shows where he was there doing his thing. So, I don't know. I was just, like, enthralled with wrestling this week. So, I couldn't get away from it. James Branch says they got contracts so they can do whatever they want, like they were doing before the contracts. Yes, James, but this time they're getting paid to do it, I guess. That's like not knowing a person. Or not, I mean, let me be specific. That's like walking by a bus stop, and you see this lady there with this nice fat ass. You've never spoken to her in your life. All you mm. see is a fat ass. Mm-hmm. And the first thing you do when you walk by here is you gave her a nice big whap on the ass. Bam. Never met her. Never said a thing to her. And she turns around and goes, ooh, we should date. And he's like, no. No, you should not date this person. They do not respect you as a human being. This is only asking for trouble, God damn it. But now, but see, he, he signs up for it because, you know, I'd like to slap this ass more often. And what better way to do it than to be in a relationship where she has, she's obligated to let me to continue to slap her ass. It's ridiculous. This whole retribution. It's why I haven't really talked about it much on the show. They've been asking me about this shit since before you even got here. And I've been very coy, very slick. I'm getting out of it. <laughs> there's something, the there's some, there, there, there should be some build up to this. We'll see what happens with it. I don't see it going anywhere. The retribution? Groups like that don't last. It's, it just doesn't. There's no reason for it anymore. These guys are just going to do this for a little bit. They're going to break up. They're going to become individual acts, and whatever is going to come of that is going to come of that. Mercedes, Mercedes Martinez is looking like the smartest person on the planet right now because she 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 did one day of retribution. She's like, no. <laughs> That's it. Hey, Mercedes, we just, just no. All right, well, if if you're not going to do retribution, then we have, to, we have to bench you for a few weeks to get you back on NXT. That's fine. <laughs> Take all the time you need. I'll train. Yeah. I'll go to the PC. I'll lift. I'll lift things up. I'll put them down. I don't care. I'm. Yeah. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm gonna get more out of training for the time that I would have been in that group. Oh Jesus Christ! Should even listen. Close to what was it? Uh, almost twenty years in the business. She just got her break right now. Do you think she's gonna roll the dice on that gimmick? <laughs> no. Aren't you afraid you're gonna lose your job? It's the same thing. <laughs> if I do retribution, I'm gonna be fired anyway. That's it. It's listen. It's the same thing. <laughs> I might as well just bet on myself. She was doing good on her own at NXT too. They were making her look like a real badass. Right. But this is why people can't get into NXT anymore. They just get called up regardless. All right, guys, we're gonna be heading out of here soon in just a few minutes. I wanted to open the floor for you guys. There was a couple of topics I saw you guys wanted to discuss here in the chat. We'll go ahead and open the floor. To all you people out there in wrestling land, we talked a little bit about Hell in a Cell, talked a little bit about that Halloween Havoc that just passed. We dabbled on a bunch of subjects here, just 
splintering off into different directions. Did you get a chance to see that list uh, on the Wikipedia page of all the previous uh, Halloween Havocs? Halloween Havocs that mm-hmm. have taken place. You didn't get a chance to look at that. Mm-mm. Okay, I'm going to pull it up real quick because there's something I want to discuss real quick on it. And since he's watching and he's listening, I know he's going to put a bunch of angry emojis in here, but I got to bring this up. So Halloween Havoc originally started off as a pay-per-view way back in 1989. The first mm-hmm. two, 89 and 90, belonged to the National Wrestling Alliance before it officially became WCW. And then every year after that. Now, on this pay-per-view, the Cruiserweight champion, uh, Santos Escobar, uh, wore purple tights with the question marks. Mm-hmm. That uh, is an obvious tribute to Rey Mysterio, as mm-hmm. many feel that the Rey Mysterio-Eddie Guerrero match of 1997, I want to say, uh, maybe one of the earlier ones, I can't remember which Halloween Havoc. Actually, I have it in front of me, so I'll find out. That's funny, because I just watched that Untold before that, so I caught the reference. I was like, oh, look at that, it's the same okay. tights Rey wore. <laughs> See, there you go, the same, it's the same tights. It would have been such a great homage. It would have been such a great moment had Seth Rollins not done that shit literally a few weeks ago. <laughs> wore the purple with the question marks and all that shit on SummerSlam. Only difference is that he did it against the Mysterios, so I give him a little bit more of a thumbs up than this guy wrestling Jabron number one on a big time. Well, not show. everybody has that luxury. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, that's true. Not everybody <laughs> has a, Not even the champion, uh, the uh, uh, the ability of a Santos Escobar has the pull of a Seth Rollins where he can just go ahead. I wonder if Seth even told Ray I'm going to get these tights. Or he just showed up in the building and was like, huh? Huh? <laughs> just like, right? Good job, Seth. No, no, no. Great fucking job. Give me what's due here. Because he managed to get the color scheme in and everything, but still kept it looking like a Seth Rollins outfit. Mm-hmm. So I was like, bruh. I was like, huh? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is. It's Eddie uh, Rey Mysterio. This is before they changed it to a Y when it was still an I. Rey mm-hmm. Mysterio defeating Eddie Guerrero in a title versus mask match mm-hmm. in, uh, for the WCW Cruiserweight Championship. Dude, Chris Jericho defeated Gato by submission uh, just before that match. For all you New Japan uh, newbies out there, Gato is the promoter of New Japan Pro Wrestling, the one that everyone raves about. He's such a great promoter. Uh, he was getting his ass tapped out here. By Y2J. <laughs> that makes you wonder why he booked his ass. It's like, oh, a payback. Kenny, fuck him up. He made me tap in Halloween Havoc 1997. Fuck, <laughs> fuck this guy up. What else is on this card since I have it in front of me? Alex Wright. Ooh, that's Vanda Kid. Dude, 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 you got to see that. Um, he was with Deborah, the ex-wife of Steve McMichael, who is his opponent here, and he beat him. So Alex Wright beat Steve McMichael, Mongo. And took his woman. Look at that. You see that? That's a real man right there. That is Das Vanda Kid. Jacqueline defeated uh, Disco Inferno. Kurt Henning uh, retained the U.S. title by beating Ric Flair. Kurt Henning and Mr. Perfect and Ric Flair in a matchup where Kurt wins by disqualification. Lex Luger defeating Scott Hall by submission with Larry Zabisco as the special guest referee. The Macho Man Randy Savage with Miss Elizabeth Yeah defeating Diamond Dallas Page and the Las Vegas sudden death match, baby. That was the feud back in the day. If you were a if you were a WCW guy back in the day, which uh, Paul Green, who's in the chat right now, totally was, that was the feud, baby. Even though 
Paul Green is a big hater on Diamond Dallas Page. He hates Diamond Dallas Page. Diamond Dallas Page, I don't know if you remember, for a long while, I think it was during 97, he had his ribs taped for, like, forever. Mm-hmm. It was like D'Lo Brown's chest protector. Those, He couldn't get his fucking ribs to heal at all. He just had his shits taped up. Paul Green, work. Paul Green, you got to explain it in the chat because you'll do it better than me, but he hated the fact that this motherfucker had those ribs taped up forever. Is that your sympathy for me, boy? Your ribs won't heal? I was just binging. I've been binging on Raws from 1998, like in a row. I'm watching them in a row. And I got to the one where Dan Severin stretched the old brown. I want to do that. And tore the pectoral muscles. Oh, he was screaming. He said he looked like a homeless wrestler. See, that's what I'm talking about with the jeans and the self-high five. He hated DDP. (laughs) Hated him. And I make fun of him for it ever since. He He shocked me in my own home when he did that. Well, and if you the, think you hated him as a wrestler, you're going to love him as a yoga instructor. <laughs> <laughs> That's not your mama's yoga. Oh, uh, the main event of this pay-per-view, of course, Roddy <clears throat> Piper defeating Hollywood Hogan by submission in a steel cage. I'm assuming he must have beat him with the sleeper. I don't remember. But 97 was a fucking good year for wrestling. And so was 98, which I'm going to go to next because this is the one, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was 98. Mm, yes, 98. Got to read this one off because this will really irritate Paul Green. So since we're doing this on the way out, let's continue on with the fuck with Paul Green's head. This fucker had 12 goddamn matches on it. Chris Jericho mm. defeating Raven by submission. For I the, bet that was a good match. By, for the television title. Wrath versus Wrath defeating Ming. Ooh. Ooh. Four minutes and 23 seconds. That's probably the best you can get out of Ming and Wrath right there. That's the sweet spot, right between that three and five minute range. And that's just match time. That's bell to bell. Uh, Disco Inferno defeating Hoovy Juice, Hooventude Guerrero. Uh, Alex Wright defeating Fit Finley. Ooh, that must have been a fucking slugfest. Man, all these names. I'm about to go back and watch all these fucking <laughs> Perry things. Saturn, these so good. Yeah, Perry Saturn defeating Lodi. That was the uh, 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 that was uh, supposed to be an underneath match. I remember Lodi. Billy Kidman. Uh, retaining the cruiserweight championship, defeating Disco Inferno. Disco he wrestled twice. Fever, did it, Disco Fever. Yeah, I guess that must have been a number one contenders match when he beat Hoovy. But Kidman retains. Okay. Uh, the Steiners would win the tag team championship, defeating the Giant and Scott Steiner. Oh, I, I said this backwards. This was the split. So it's Rick Steiner and Buff Bagwell. They defeated the Giant and Scott Steiner to and win Scott, the tag team right. championship. This is when the Steiners had split. Uh, Scott Hall defeating Kevin Nash by countout. That must have been a slobber knocker right there, my friend. Jesus Christ. That must have been during the whole. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. That must have been when, during the time period when Scott Hall was doing the whole rehab deal. By countout. How many count? When's the last time you seen an actual countout? I bet you there's wrestlers right now that don't even know you can be counted out. Because in the indies, they don't really do a whole lot of counting. They use it as, as spots, but they don't really understand you can be counted out. We need more of them so we can enforce it. Bret Hart. Bret Hart uh, retains the U.S. US championship, defeating Sting by knockout. Bret Hart and Sting, battle of the sharpshooter and the scorpion deathlock. Hollywood Hogan defeats the Warrior. If there's ever a reason to watch this show, this would be it. You've got to see one of the most high-profile, one of the most expensive fuck-ups of all time. This This is historically bad. Hogan and the Warrior inside the... Uh, oh, 
look, look who's match. next. My wife's in, favorite. In, <laughs> in the main event, Goldberg retains the WCW World Heavyweight Championship against Diamond Dallas Page. This is also the infamous pay-per-view, which is why I wanted to bring it up. Halloween Havoc uh, is the, the the straw that broke the cable network's back, so to speak. This was the pay-per-view where WCW was spending so much money and they were making so many ratings and they were doing so well, beating the WWE every week. They were on top. They were the kings. Nothing can go wrong. Well, there's a little thing we like to call the overrun when it comes to network television, pay-per-view cable. That is, if you run from 8 to 10, that means your program needs to end by 10. Everything after that is considered an overrun. They, most companies will give you a five-minute grace period. Depends. That's why you see back in the day, CB, TBS used to have the 605 and the 1005 and yada, yada, yada. It's a little bit of a buffer. This pay-per-view, uh, if I'm not mistaken, not only was five minutes over, I think it was almost 20 minutes over. Something like that. And there was some sort of time limit to where the network feed would just cut automatically. So Goldberg and DDP, they, they're up next. We see Goldberg's entrance. We see DDP's entrance. We get to the introductions. They circle the ring. They hit the tie-up. And the feed dies. <laughs> Damn. Live. So for everyone who bought the pay-per-view, you got just 12 matches on this card. You got 11 matches. You got what you paid for to a degree. But you didn't get your main event. So what they had to do. They was, would have just cut out that double Disco Inferno match. They would have had plenty of time. <laughs> plenty of Disco Inferno on this card. There's so The whole, I think the first five or six matches are like all cruiserweights. Jericho, not really a cruiserweight in real life, but he was in that division. Uh, Disco, Hoovy, Alex Wright. Fucking Lodi, Billy Kidman. This they stretched the lower card all the way into the mid card. All that. It's just they all needed their time. Fuck it. And the paper got cut. So they had to air that match in full the next night on Nitro. That's how we got it uh eventually to see it. Now everyone can see it fluidly on the network. There's no cut. It just goes. So they just stitched through. it together. They just added it together. They kept well the f- cameras kept rolling. Right. So it recorded like normal. You just okay, the feed, gotcha, gotcha, the gotcha, feed gotcha. got cut. Right. So when you watch it on the network, there's no jump. It just it flows seamless. The, the commentators weren't even aware they were off. They just kept it moving. They called this match like normal, and then they just. Uh, Paul Green says, "Yeah, hated that match. Yeah, because Hall versus Nash went long on purpose." Whatever your reasoning, uh, you can tell me that it was Hall and Nash, but as my brother just illustrated, there was about six or seven matches you could have cut with no issue at all whatsoever. You ever watch a movie? It was like, yeah, there's like three scenes in there that could have made this movie so much yeah, better. This if you didn't just need to be out. a two-hour film. There's <laughs> some maneuvering we could have uh, had here. You could have had a bodyguard. Why can't I remember that? But that's see? in WCW. Bodyguard. He was a bodyguard for a little bit. I don't know what you mean Do by... Do you know who DDP bodyguard was? Alex. Alexander said that. I'm trying to say... Well, no. Go ahead, Paul Green. Enlighten me because I don't recall him having a bodyguard. I know he was the uh, the driver for the booty man. I know that he had... For the booty. Was it Hughes? It wasn't man. Hughes, was it? Mr. Hughes? Curtis Hughes? Why is that ringing a bell right now? Do you know who DDP's bodyguard was? Yeah. Oh, it was a trivia question for David. Yeah. Oh, he said, yeah. So it was Hughes? Okay. 
All right. I knew that sounded fucking familiar as shit. Look at that. <laughs> no, I don't I don't remember when was that? Was that like in WCW? Yeah, but it, for considering that it was Hughes, that must have been early like Vinny Vegas. Oh, Nash. Yeah, him and Nash were cool back in the day. I don't recall him Vinny Vegas coming out with him. Vinny Kevin Nash has spent his whole life being the big bad bouncer security guy. Like that's that's like his whole vibe. That's what he does. It's his whole vibe. It's his that whole vibe. That's who he is. Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, we went down the memory lane here with some Halloween Havoc. There's some other stuff here. I wanted to pull back real quick back up to the top here because I wanted to see that original card because I know there's a lot of great fucking talent on this. Oh, Lord have mercy. I don't even know. Holy fuck. What? I'm looking at this 1989 card. I don't know if it's going to hit you at all, but for, for all you uh, hardcores... Uh, in the in the chat here, nineteen eighty nine, the very first uh, Halloween Havoc. Tom Zink, woo, that's a name I haven't heard in quite some time. Defeated Mike Rotunda. That's Bray Wyatt's dad. That's IRS from the WWE. Uh, the Samoan SWAT team, Fatu, the Samoan Savage, and Samu, with Oliver Humperdinck. I haven't seen that name in fucking forever. Yo, these names back in the day were Defeated the Midnight else, Express, man. Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane and Steve Williams. I believe that's Dr. Death uh, with Jim Cornette, of course. Uh, Tommy Rich defeated the Cuban Assassin. That sounds racist as shit. The Fabulous Freebirds, Jimmy Garvin and Ma- uh, Michael Hayes defeated the Dynamic Dudes of Johnny Ace and Shane Douglas with Jim Cornette. How did I miss that one? Okay, I'm going to have to talk to Jim about this one. I don't, as much shitting as he does on the Dynamic Dudes, I did not know that he managed them. Uh, Doom. Maybe that's why he knows. Maybe that's why yeah, he's he's a professional. He knows exactly first how she First hand experience. Doom. Butch Reed and Ron Simmons, one of my favorite tag teams of all time, against the Steiner brothers. That must have been a fucking fist fight. I want to watch that match. The good thing about watching pay per views on the network now is they have a jump to where you can click on the exact match that you want to watch from the show and you don't have to like keep skimming until you find it. It's right there. Click it. I'll watch them all, man. Uh, Lex Luger retaining the U.S. title against. Flying Brian Pillman, uh, the Roll Warriors, Animal and Hawk, uh, with Paul Ellering defeating the Skyscrapers of Dan Spivey and Sid Vicious, with with uh, Sexual Chocolate Teddy Long, uh, in their corner. They won by disqualification. How the hell did the Roll Warriors lose by a uh, win by disqualification? Got to watch that again. The Thunderdome match, ahead of its time. Before the actual Thunderdome, there was another Thunderdome, and it was the main event of Halloween Havoc: Ric Flair and Sting with Ole Anderson in their corner defeating the great Muta and Terry Funk with Gary Hart in his corner. Oh, Paul Green's loving this. Taker, just like Taker was in WCW. Yeah, Taker was a was a skyscraper. I believe he replaced Spivey, right? Wasn't it him and Sid? He was one of those. He ended up replacing one of them. So, yeah. So that's one of the cards there for Halloween Havoc. Yeah. This is a good. Uh, I, reading these things always gets me hyped. Like I want to go back and watch them whenever I read. I'm things. I'm mad. I'll probably watch like one. Or, I'm probably gonna watch one before I go to bed. I'm gonna <laughs> be honest with you. All right. I'm probably gonna start from the top. No, don't do that. Don't start from the top. <laughs> I'm starting from the top. All right. So I want to thank you guys for joining us on this live edition of Orsini's Uncensored Mind. 
as we wrap up our Halloween Halloween special. Again, we're gonna take. I'm gonna take some more photos with this. I'm starting to regret this now. The headband, I think, is what's killing me. The gi, I, I'm loving. I've been holding it like a pajama this week. It's time. a bathroom. You like you're fresh out the shower. You know, coming out of the <laughs> hotel, it's like, oh, let's talk Halloween having right now. Yep. Oh, it's a good thing. I have to take this shit off me, to be honest with you. It's been on for two hours, and I got to tell you, uh, I'm having some trouble on the air department here. My lungs are up top, but my belly's still connected somehow. It's a weird dynamic. Mm. It makes sense. All right, guys. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for downloading. Thank you guys for sharing. And, of course, thank you guys for enjoying episode 163, guys. 100 episodes now pay him. And make sure that you buy my husband's t-shirt at ProWrestlingTees.com slash A-J-O-U-N. Please, he needs this. Listen to my daddy's show. He's the best, so I don't know.